Thanks again for listening in to Your Shadow Advisor, a weekly program about navigating higher education from a first-generation person of color perspective. I'm your host, Professor Daryl Wanzer Serrano. Today is the first of two episodes with my very special guest, Christina Ceballos. Uh, in February 2018, Christina founded the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Support Facebook group, an amazing Facebook group that if, you, uh, if you're in public service and it sounds like a good fit, you really should join. Um, she formed this group after not finding any active groups on that platform. Uh, she's built a small but mighty team of 16 administrators and moderators, which now serves 135,000 members and growing. She served in many capacities in public service uh, in AmeriCorps, the U.S. Peace Corps, nonprofits, and government. And she lives in Austin, Texas, just down the street from me. Uh, well, kind of down the highway with her husband and two rescue jo- dogs. So thank you so much for joining me uh, for this podcast, Christina. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's, I'm excited to be here. Um, so the, you know, I, I try to start all my interviews on this podcast with, uh, with a, with a, a similar question for, for all my guests. And that's what I call my, my superhero origin story question. Um, so the question is, uh, what's your superhero origin story? How did you get started on your path in higher education, uh, to make that decision to go on to graduate school as well, to enter professional life? All of that. What motivated you and what enabled your movement in and through these spaces? That's a, first of all, to be equated as a superhero is, <laughs> or like this, this mythology is um, uh, super humbling to begin. At six years old, uh, I saw my mother graduate from Metropolitan State University in Minnesota. That's where I grew up. And um, it was a very special day. It was very monumental. And uh, from that uh, experience, I knew that higher education, some form or fashion was going to be in my future. Uh, m- by that experience and by my mother's modeling, like um, she taught me to take every opportunity presented to me. Um, I cat- categorically am fiercely in- an independent person. Um, I was always committed to lifelong learning and this all just kind of, you know, uh, wove together throughout my journey. So in high school, I learned about post-secondary enrollment option available to public uh, high schoolers in the state of Minnesota. It's like dual enrollment here in Texas. Yeah, we had it. We had it called running start in Washington state. I did that too. Oh, fantastic. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Very cool. We have that in common because um, I was able to get, I was able to knock out like 32 college credits after two years of part-time. I went to high school part-time to college part-time. I was doing, I was very, very active, Mm -hmm. was volunteering somewhat as well as playing tennis, having a part-time job. And I was able to get some of my core classes for my undergraduate degree completed by the support of my mother and stepfather. Like they, I I wouldn't be here without that. And I'm super grateful for that. They enabled and encouraged a lot of that Um, as well as um, going into higher education, you know, 
then going after my actual four-year degree, I and I w always wanted to go to the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities. Like, just love Minneapolis and St. Paul. That's where I ended up going and completing four years. I was able to get two degrees, one in French and one in global studies with a focus on human rights, econ international economics, economics, um, social sciences uh, of that sort. And um, I, they, they, they provided a, a four-year scholarship, but it, it wasn't just merit-based. It was merit plus, um, merit plus financial need. So I had most of my four years covered until I got to my senior year. And that's when I had to take out the big chunk of my student loans mm -hmm. from undergrad. And, um, but I was able to study abroad and live, I lived in France for a year. I was able to, I got back from France. I had almost finished my four, my, my required courses. I could have graduated at 21. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I really, really wanted to like take full advantage. I was like, okay, I had been thinking about international relations, but at the time, globalization was really becoming a new area and, 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 and IR was moving into global studies. And so I was like, wow, a lot of my coursework from France doubled up as well into the global studies degree. So I was able to get four. Uh, I was able to get two degrees um, while my under my four years. Later on, after I graduated from college, um, I, that's when I went to AmeriCorps and US Peace Corps was always on my radar. And mm -hmm. when I when I got back, I moved to Austin, Texas. <laughs> and um, I was working in the nonprofit sector and finding it very, very, very competitive. And I was hoping that a certificate nonprofit management and leadership, which is a great program at Austin Community College, would be enough to advance through through that. I found it not a very big differentiating differentiating factor for myself, and so that's when I considered grad school. Mm -hmm. And I went to St. Ed's. Um, I got an MS in organizational leadership and ethics, which is an what I is an alternative MBA, um, and was able to apply that to, I've been able to apply that ever since uh, graduating. Um, another thing that encouraged me to pursue a graduate degree, I had done Peace Corps and there are a lot of fellowship programs around the country. And I think there might be, um, the closest one is a newer one, <laughs> newer program at Texas State University. But that wasn't exactly, that was later after I graduated. Uh -huh. And and, and I, I, I moved to Austin, fell in love with Austin. This is where I met my husband. And I was like, I'm not really going to leave Austin to go to grad school. You know, I wasn't r really ready for that. And there are so many great higher education institutions here. And so one, 2007 was the same year I got back from Peace Corps. It was the same year that they signed PSLF into law. And I was like, that just opened up all the opportunities and possibilities for grad school. And um, that's what also enabled me to go, go to grad schools because the PSLF uh, program existed. Wow. You know, yeah, the, I finished my doctoral degree in 2007 before PSLF uh, uh, happened, right? And when it did, I was like, 
oh, this is perfect. This is totally going to solve my problems, which included six figures kind of, yeah, like I forget. I, I honestly forget what it was when, when I started at this point, probably I think around 130, somewhere between 130 and $150,000. Um, but I couldn't actually get into, I couldn't get into PSLF because for various reasons, I mean, the, you, you probably remember, maybe we're, we're, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but the communication was so bad about what you actually needed to do. And there was such differing advice coming from different entities. Um, and they also hadn't worked out a bunch of the kinks. Like I was, uh, I was married at the time. My spouse had uh, student loans also. But the way they calculated stuff, they would calculate, they would take both incomes into consideration, but they would only evaluate one set of loans at a time. To figure out like a repayment plan, it would, you know, it basically had me being like a, you know, a, <laughs> a rich person paying back, uh, paying back these student loans, which just wasn't the case. Like it would have been impossible to do anyway. But that's maybe that's getting ahead of ourselves. Why don't we? Why don't we start talking about PSLF though? Really. <laughs> so, what is the history of the PSLF Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program? Uh, you mentioned it started in two thousand seven. Do you know how that came to be and how how was it supposed to work? Which because it was like a it was a model, it's what enabled you to 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 go on to graduate school. So explain this a little bit for those who maybe don't know, haven't heard a lot about the program. Sure. So in um, two thousand seven, there was uh, a bill that was passed into law that included improvements to higher education, including the formation of the public service loan forgiveness. Uh, program. And the intent was to ensure a steady pipeline of educated individuals to go into the fields, uh, uh, go into various public service related fields in government and nonprofits. So this is anywhere from your local municipal government to the federal government and any nonprofits that are designated 501c3 under um, the IRS. And so, and those are tax exempt organizations. And so, I'm sorry, I'm using a lot of so's. That's where my Minnesota comes out. And <laughs> I use a lot of rights. I use like the, you know, right? But, but you know, like, that's how you know I'm like, I'm, I'm at ease. Like, I'm dropping so's left and right. Okay. That PSLF program was intended to support folks to stay in public service at least 10 years um, while they, you know, fulfilled the repayment obligations of, of ten, uh, 10 years of monthly payments. And if you look at the CFR, like the regulation, the, the general rule, it's very vague. Um, and <clears throat> that vagueness, um, Speaking as a contracts, contract manager right now, professional contract manager, that vagueness um, really just doesn't help in the actual implementation of the program. Like, how does the rubber meet the road? That's not even there. So I, I think the program really started off being super vague by that lack of like clarity. Five years later, they went five years <laughs> 
they being the Department of Education and, and, and administrations, went five years without producing an employment certification form. So for five years, people are thinking, oh, my employment's being tracked. I'm being tracked. I'm just like in the program. And that was not the case at all. Yeah. Additionally, in those first five years, FFEL loans were no longer eligible, like midway through that first five years towards PSLF. Those got, you know, you know, kicked out of the program. And that left a lot of people like myself. I had FFEL loans because I was in public service from 2002 and onwards, like after graduation, barely making minimum wage and unable to pay on my loans. I, I used up all of my forbearance months with under the Stafford Direct Loan Program at that time, mm-hmm. I had to consolidate into ACS in order to access more forbearance time because there's no way I was making any payments. I was barely eating. Like I had to, like when I was in AmeriCorps, I was on food stamps to to survive. My my paycheck, half of it went to rent, and so the reality started sinking in. A lot of people were suffering. A lot of people were thinking they were on track. They then they were told, no, you're not on track. You need to consolidate and start the repayment clock over. That's what happened to me with my FFEL loans. Um, but that's that that first ten years. So fast forward to ten years, late late 20, 2017, when the first round of public servants who should have been eligible for PSLF, those months between October and like. January, rejection, 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 rejection. Like that's where that two percent rate, yeah, really, really started popping up and getting attention. And I was getting nervous. <laughs> I was getting very nervous. I was like, yeah. It wasn't until 2017 where I went back ten years to certify my my past employment, my first you know five or six years qualifying employment. Yeah. It took me until 2017 to go back and certify my employment starting in 2017 to present. Like there's millions of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of us had to do that. Yeah. That rejection rate, you know, feeling alone, not really knowing anybody else pursuing PSLF is one of the reasons why main reasons why I wanted to start the program or the Facebook group, as well as, you know, I'm, I, I want to do everything to eliminate suffering. Like, just because I suffered doesn't mean that I want somebody else to suffer. Any way that we can help people suffer less, that's kind of, that is also a, a primary motivating factor. That's great. Well, so let's, let's take, a, take a step back real quick um, to talk about what, what does it take to actually qualify, hypothetically, assuming all the stars are aligned, <laughs> What does it take to qualify for PSLF? What are the loan type requirements, the employment requirements, the repayment requirements? Bracketing the waiver, because we'll, we'll, we'll spend a lot of time talking about the waiver here, but just for the core PSLF program, what are you supposed to do to be able to qualify for that? Well, first of all, PSLF is a program that you don't enroll in or sign up like necessarily sign up for like there's paperwork yes but you in essence p 
people working in public service related fields make themselves eligible for PSLF and then they maintain their eligibility for PSLF for 10 years. And what does that mean? What does it mean to be eligible? It means you need to first have qualifying employment with a governmental or, or nonprofit entity or organization. Two, you need to have qualifying loans, um, such as, and the qualifying loan type is federal direct student loans. And then you need to make 120 payments on those loans, monthly payments over 10 years minimum. And people tend to confuse, you know, being eligible versus enrolling into like you don't do that. You just be you, you, you get yourself eligible if you're public in public service. Then another confusing point is, well, what if I make just one hundred twenty one dollar payments? Will that count? No, it will not. You need to make one. You have to have one month of qualifying service plus one qualifying payment. In addition, that qualifying payment has to be through a PSLF eligible income driven repayment plan. And those are like the core three factors that that make individuals eligible for PSLF. Okay. Excellent. Um, and I'll be sure to put um, a link in the show notes to the uh, to the studentaid.gov uh, websites about PSLF and and their FAQ and stuff like that, as well as links to uh, to to your Facebook group, where right. and and um, and just to add to that, uh -huh. we um, my team and I just delivered a, a webinar with CFPB Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and we cover that those you know fundamentals very clearly. The slides are in there; you can go back and watch it. It hasn't been posted yet. I will provide that link to you, Daryl, um, when it's when it's live. It's also going to be shared in the Facebook group, of course. But like I said, it's a confusing program. People learn d in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the things that I find is repeating myself. Um, actually, it starts sinking in. It starts sinking in. And it, it, it takes a while. It's not an easy program to navigate. So... Speaking of it not being an easy program to navigate, right? You you mentioned the the like two percent rate of 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 uh, success uh, initially in in, in twenty seventeen. Like it, it's been a really challenging program to navigate. <laughs> um, people have had really poor success, um, and that's been getting better. What are some of the things that 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 have made it better leading up to? Uh, what we'll what we'll spend the rest of our time talking about basically, which is the the current temporary waiver um, uh, that that Biden put in place. So I I think that um, the data kind of overshadows like the 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 strides the pre pre previous administrations had made. Mm -hmm. um, FFEL loans weren't eligible because the Department of Education didn't own those loans. Like they were, you know, they were backed by the federal government, but they were owned by private institutions like ACS. That was mine at the time. And so like that whole transition, like FFEL loans were no longer eligible. Um, yeah, that's a problem, but, but they, 
they didn't necessarily do a great job communicating that. And I felt misled also by my servicers. That must have been what I had too, because I, I had I had uh, Stafford um, subsidized and unsubsidized Stafford loans that uh, that were serviced by Sally May, um, and then became Naviant. I and I consolidated as soon as I graduated because the rates were about to go up, you know, two thousand seven. So I was able to consolidate at a low rate, and I was kind of pressured into consolidating, but I didn't consolidate through the federal. Uh, servicer, I consolidated through Sally Mae because that's who already had my loans, and it seemed like it made sense. But it probably also would have ended up biting me had I actually applied through, uh, applied for, uh, um, uh, or had I actually tried to follow through with uh, with PSLF because those probably wouldn't have been eligible after five years. I mean, we can go back and hash out all the missteps and and misguidance but fundamentally over those first 10 years a lot of people were misled a lot of people were told inaccurate information and the government did take some measures to make it right um there is before the limited waiver was announced there was also a limited or I'm sorry, a temporary expanded PSLF program. Mm -hmm. And those handled were, that was um, a, a policy or, you know, a new program with PSLF that was to help people who were on the wrong income-driven repayment plan prior to get credit for that. Okay. One of my administrators got TEPSLF, so before the limited waiver was announced. And she was eligible. She was eligible for PSLF under TEPSLF. So when you're, when you when you're in your Fed loan account or soon to be Mohila account, you have two two tracks. You got a PSLF track and a TEPSLF track. If you've been on an on a PSLF eligible in, uh, income driven repayment plan, most of your payments are going to qualify for both. Some people are only eligible for or have you know. A, a quantity of payments eligible under TEPSLF because they were on the wrong income, quote unquote, the wrong income driven repayment plan, the mm -hmm. non PSLF eligible repayment plan in the past. Mm -hmm. So that's just something that one of the things that they've done uh, to, uh, to improve the program is that TEPSLF in addition to issuing an actual employment certification form and informing people and building out uh, federal student aid with a very good uh, uh, wealth, actually, of resources. Is it reader-friendly? Not exactly. Is it visually appealing? Not exactly. <laughs> Is it digestible? Like, again, you got to go read and reread. You also need any public servant really, really needs to understand first and foremost, what kinds of loans do they have in their student loan portfolio? If anybody is in public service and they, and they refinance their loans with a SOFI or uh, uh, any of the other student loan, uh, private student loan companies, they then they then pull those loans out of the federal student loan system and they will not be eligible for PSLF ever. Oh, wow. So, so there's a difference between consolidation and refinancing. So let's get really clear about that too. Okay. We, you and I consolidated our, our 
formerly Fed, FFEL loans back into direct consolidated loans. We never refinanced our loans to private. We kept our loans in the in the federal loan system, or at least federal federal loan system that recognizes yeah. some, you know, past types of of student loans. So let's. I just really, really want to make that clear for people: refinancing and consolidating are not the same thing. Okay. Yeah, that seems like a really important distinction. Very, very. So, what did the waiver? What What did the waiver actually do? Um, and, and how has it worked? So like, what makes the waiver different than the temporary expanded PSLF? Well, (laughs) the waiver, (laughs) the waiver was like this gift from the Department of Education and the administration that I, I, in my almost 15 years at that time, I was over 14 years into PSLF, never imagined you, I could never have like even imagined something like this, this drastic of this easing of rules in my wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. This is the biggest gift that any like public service worker right now has been given in the whole history of this program. And so what what did the waiver do? It eased it eased so many of those stricter requirements for public service workers to be to get their loans eligible, to get those uh, past payments counted uh, that that may have happened before consolidation. It allowed people, it allowed public service workers who have those ineligible FFEL loans still in their portfolio or Perkins loans still in their student loan portfolio to consolidate them into direct consolidated loans. And then even any of the past payments that you that any public service worker made, eligible payments made on those old loan types now count. It also for kind of like kind of um, dismisses the income driven repayment plan portion of of the PSLF program. So going even further than TEPSLF and said, it doesn't matter, quote, unquote, uh, what what kind of repayment plan you had in the past. Even if you made a partial payment, we're going to give you credit for that. Even if you were in public service for until like the 10th of the month, and then your payment didn't happen until the 17th of the month, that's a qualifying payment, right? So, So it just... It just made it so. It's just made it so much easier. Yeah. And fundamentally, what it does, it whittles it down to two things: if you have qualifying certified employment and had your student loans in repayment, those are the. That's what it boils down to. Those two. Those two factors, among all the other factors. So this is this is huge. It was a huge, huge gift, and wow, uh, did it impact uh, my PSL Facebook group. Wow, yeah. the stories. Yeah, I'm sure. Just incredible. You know, it it it, se- it it seemed too good to be true cuz I remember when the fir- when it was initially announced, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I'm like, "Holy crap, does this mean does this mean that I can actually cuz I've I've worked, you know, at, at universities since I graduated, right? And so I got on, I filled out my, you know, I updated or filled out or updated my account information at at uh, at studentaid.gov. Um, I started filling out the paperwork, uh, and then 
I remember one of the first things I get back, I fill, I, I fill everything out and it says, well, you have no, uh, you have zero eligible payments um, because you don't have the, you know, because you don't have the right kind of loans, you haven't been in a repayment plan. And so it was, it was still feeding me, you know, it was, it was making that evaluation based off of PSLF and not the waiver. And so, but, but still I was like, well, yep, it, it was too good to be true. So I like gave it up until a friend of mine um, who had very similar loans to me, had, had been under Navient, filled out the stuff, got it transferred to Fed loan, got zeroed out. And I was like, well, maybe I, maybe I should submit this, this stuff, even though every step along the way it seems to be telling me that I'm wrong. I'm just going to do it anyway. <laughs> Um, so the communication, I feel like, hasn't been great, but it wasn't until I heard from her and then also uh, through another friend found uh, found your Facebook group. I'm like, okay, this seems to be a thing. What's the worst that can happen? I'm already I'm, I'm making payments for 30 years or however long. The worst that happens is I keep doing that because if I reconsolidate, I'm keeping the same interest rate anyway. So I'm going to give it a try. Um, and then and – then, and then my happy day came. Um, I, I never, you know, the, if people who are listening, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't joined the Facebook group yet, uh, and you do, you'll see lots of talk about trophies and counts. And uh, I was like waiting for my trophies. I was waiting for my count updates, and those never happened. It was just like you know, I would obsessively log in every couple of days, and I just randomly logged in one day. And it was zero, and I'm like, I never, I never got any updated counts. I never got trophies. Things are just missing from my account. I'm like, oh shoot, maybe I've been transferred to the new servicer, um, and waited. And then I got, and then I got the official letter, right, that said, hey, your your loans have been forgiven under public service loan forgiveness and the waiver, uh, which seems to be a not uncommon experience. Also, <laughs> especially it seems like that's all kind of ramped up lately, where people are just like. They're like trying to get people through. <laughs> so what's the deal with how is, – is my experience with the kind of poor communication and the confusing process, is that common or or uncommon? <laughs> oh, it's very common. Okay. So uh, first of all, throughout this waiver period, since October 6, 2021 – We've seen multiple updates to federal student aid. We've seen more and more FAQs be added to mm -hmm. that. And we've also seen the issuance of the IDR waiver, which is a whole other thing. The rollout of the waiver has been rocky at best. However, they are fixing it. The DOE and DOE FSA are working with loan servicers, student loan servicers like FedLoan, like Mohila. And they will be uh, they will be updating people's accounts multiple times. Like my mm -hmm. account got updated multiple times in the past since October of last year. And so as founder of this Facebook group, one of our core missions is to be a resource hub for public service workers. The, with the most accurate and up-to-date information. 
One of the main things that we were waiting for after October 6th was, is if people consolidate uh, under the waiver or have consolidated under the waiver in the past, or I'm sorry, prior to the waiver, any consolidation, will that highest payment count actually be applied to all loans? I waited, we waited until no, November 11th, like six weeks after the waiver for clarification. And my team got together, wrote a letter to uh, R Richard Cordray at FSA, um, the Secretary of Education, Cardona, the Undersecretary of Education, Caval, as well as to all the senators on the education subcommittee. Wow. Still, still waiting, still waiting for my official response. It is now August 23rd, right? And in that letter, we asked, and this is on the Facebook group, by the way, it's in the files. You can look it up. We emailed it, we mailed it, we, we, we sent it certified mail. Um, we asked, can you please clarify this point? Because there are people who need to know if they should consolidate because they have multiple timelines, like I did. Yeah, I, I, I consolidated in 2012, uh, my undergrad loans, and then I, I exited, I graduated from grad school in 2013. I really now wish I would have waited until I graduated from, <laughs> to consolidate them all together. Because on November 12th, a day after we sent the email and sent that letter, Cordray came out and said via email, we're going to need more time to apply the waiver. Please give us patience. By 9 p.m. that night, my undergraduate loans, the two consolidated loans, were gone. Gone. Forgiven. Holy cow. And I felt like I've, ne I've never felt that horrible before. And uh, then by November 17th is the first day I saw on the Federal Student Aid website that yes, if you consolidated or have consolidated or consolidate, you will get that higher payment count on the FAQs on the federal student aid website. I was distraught. I am still distraught. I'm still crushed. And I have sent, so at, when that happened, it took, I, I, was, I was in a pit for, for the rest of the year, 2021. Mm -hmm. It took, I was very limitedly engaging in my Facebook group, I saw people getting PSLF. Some of them had just consolidated their newer graduate school loans with their older loans, and they were getting theirs forgiven, but I wasn't. Oh wow! And 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 mine mine were still there. My graduate loans, which is the lion's share of yeah. my my portfolio, right? Sixty k plus, right? And I took some time went to visit uh, my, my in-laws in Mexico. And January 1st, I was like, no one's gonna fight for me but me. You're not gonna fight for me. My husband doesn't, he would, but he doesn't know. I didn't know either. So I escalated every known pathway known to humanity in terms of student loans in the United States, right? Yeah. So escalated to Fed loan, escalated to um, FSA ombudsman, escalated to CFPB. Dead end, dead end, dead end, dead end, dead end. It's still a dead end. I'm I'm still waiting to hear back. How are they going to deal with this? Yeah. Um, 
so yes, the communication of this limited waiver rollout has been very bad. I count four emails in my inbox and I've been eligible for PSLF pretty much since 2007. Uh-huh. Like I've been ma- I've been maintaining my eligibility. And then I'm still seeing people getting partial forgiveness. Partial. Oh. When they didn't they didn't necessarily know the mechanics of consolidating would actually this is the big part. We have been drilled into our heads. If you consolidate your count, start back at zero. The waiver undoes this. It's un, it, it, it's it's eliminated this fact under the waiver. Mm-hmm. But so many people are like, you know, we're busy. We're public service workers. We have huge, huge emotionally time, laborious like like jobs, you know. And then staying on top of our student loans is just this additional thing. And then throw on top the waiver and trying to figure all that out. There are people who are still experiencing partial forgiveness, like myself. As recently as I've seen in in this month, and it ain't right. Wow! So I'm really, really hoping that FSA and DOE fix it. Yeah. Fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's really rough that you know we we've had the we've had the waiver now for almost a year, and it feels like communication is just is is almost like just now starting to get better, right? In terms of the build out of the FAQs and answering some of these questions. And, you know, and here we are, you know, basically two months from the waiver officially ending, right? 69 days. 69 days today. Um, So we'll, we'll, no, it's fine. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's this, I mean, this is part of why I also wanted to get you on, on the program and, and get these episodes up as as soon as possible because I know I know for a fact there's other people like me who gave up who when the waiver first came out they looked into it and gave up then too because they you know because it said you have zero you know you have zero payments um, and uh, who are still kind of like wondering whether to take the step to to fill stuff out um, and to actually like <laughs> to to navigate another bureaucracy when their lives are spent navigating bureaucracies um, in public service, right? Um, and I know that because like when I posted my uh, my success story on my like personal Facebook page, like a bunch of people started reaching out to me like, wait, does, does this work? Like what's, you know, what what do people need to do? Like if, if they're, if, if it's someone like, like me, who who wasn't on track for PSLF, they knew they weren't on track for PSLF because they weren't in the the right repayment plan or um, or whatever. Right? What are the steps for them to take uh, to to at least get answers? So, like, what's what's step number one? Well, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface my answer with with a little story. Okay, I have a friend. A really good friend who lives in Texas here and she's been in uh, she's she's been in public education her entire career and she's got advanced degrees she called her servicer and her servicers like well why don't you apply for teacher loan forgiveness first and I was like and 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 she when she told me this I was like 
whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So first of all, if you apply for teacher loan forgiveness, it's going to delay your processing for PSLF. She's like, well, I've got all my paperwork. And I'm like, I'm like, no, don't even do that. Just throw it away, shred it, recycle it. Okay. Just go with PSLF. Trust me on this. And then please call me first before proceeding with anything because your servicers, her servicer clearly was not aware. Um, uh, just, you know, text me if you have any questions. And so here's the first thing people need to know. They do need to understand and have a very good idea of their student loan portfolio and about how much time they've been in public service and about how many years of public uh, of, of repayments they've of payments they've made. Mm -hmm. um, getting really clear about this, what loan type um, and uh, what um, what qualifying employment you have is like the baseline. OK, people need to know right now that if they've been in public service and have been um, have been blessed like many of us with this COVID uh, forbearance, this payment pause, all these months since March of 2020, count towards public service loan forgiveness at $0 payment, $0 payments, meaning zero payment, um, actual payments, all those months will now count towards public service loan forgiveness as long as you have that qualifying employer. So that's like just where to start it, and, and where, and, and where you get your, your student aid or where you get your student loan um, information is on your account at federal student aid or studentaid.gov. That will, you'll be able to download a file. It says my student loan data and it'll export into a text file. And that'll give you your whole loan history. Okay. So uh, since folks who listen to the show are mostly uh, in higher education, uh, they're you know, professors or grad students, the, of course, the waiver is not going to matter to people who are currently graduate students, I think. Um, but what? Oh, but, oh, maybe it will. So, so first, my employer question. Um, and then maybe, and then you can tell me why you think this does matter to people who are currently graduate students. So, the employer question is: Do they have to be employed at public universities or colleges, or can they be employed at private nonprofit colleges and universities as well? Because I know that was like one of those question marks early on in the program. Um, what's what's the what's the word on that? Well. Uh both if both count if that private university is organized as a 501c3 nonprofit organization i don't know many i i'm not in higher ed i i was in it for a very short stint um i don't know of any private universities that don't fall under that category but there could very well be there could be um private universities that are just, you know, also companies um, are organized as like for-profit corporations. I know that yeah. there's definitely for-profit colleges, but yeah. you you know who the, those are like off the top, mm -hmm. right? Like DeVry and um, ITT, you know, some of these schools that um, have uh, have defrauded their students. Sure, um, yes. But we, we, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole because we're, we're focused on... Um, 
public service workers working in private, nonprofit, private colleges that are fi organized as 501c3s. Those qualify. Okay. Which probably includes places like St. Ed's or St. Yes. Scholastica or any, any of the 43 other St. schools in the Minneapolis area. Oh, well, St. Edward's is in, in Austin. Well, yeah. No, no, I know that. Yeah. But I'm thinking up and do the, the call back um, to your Minneapolis route. St. <laughs> Thomas, Saint McAllister, Thomas. Uh, back up in the Twin Cities. St. Scholastica. I had a friend who taught at St. Scholastica. Um, St. Olaf. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so you gave me a look when I said current graduate students, this may not apply as much to. Why'd you give me the look? I gave that look because there are some graduate students who may have been actually in, in, in employed by public service organizations before going to grad school, like myself. So mm. I graduated, this is going to date me, I graduated in 2001 with my undergrad, and I didn't go back to grad school until 2011. I had almost 10 years in, in employment in public service organizations uh, well, actually, from 2007 to 2011, um, I was employed with a nonprofit when I was going to grad school. I was working full time and went uh, went to school part time at St. Ed's. Okay, so something that uh, that they should look into that could, at the very least, give them a jump start on their counts, so that when they finish up their current degree, they've got a jump start. They can enter into one of the you know. Assuming the waiver goes away, um, which may not be the best assumption, we can talk about that more later. Um, but you know, at the very least, if, if they had five years of employment of qualifying employment, um, and they were, you know, they could use this waiver to get those yes. sixty payments, uh, uh, kind of on the record. Right. So this uh, this is fundamental. If you have any public service loan, uh, or I'm sorry, if you have any public service employment, qualifying employment before the waiver, and you had the wrong loans or you're on the wrong repayment plan or whatever, that stuff counts now. So even if you're if you don't have your whole ten years, you can you can get eligible, get those get those months eligible. By filling out the paperwork, doing the PSLF application um, now and getting it in by October 31st. Because at the end of the day, it, you, if you can get all your stuff up to current by the 31st, that carries with you through the rest of your PSLF journey. So again, it's not a program you sign up for. It's something you it, it get yourself eligible for. And once you certify your employment, whether that's going all the way back to 2007, right, that mm -hmm. follows you for the rest of your, your PSLF journey. It doesn't go away. Yeah. So it, it, that's, that's really a fundamental misunderstanding I've seen in my group. Um, and, and again, the waiver isn't something you sign up for because it's, 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 it's um, a part of PSLF. It's something you get yourself eligible for. Tom. Yeah. So, and this will be my, my last waiver question. Um, I, and it's been a little while since I, uh, since I've seen this discussion. And so it may have been resolved in the, in the Facebook group definitively already. Um, but there was some question about 
timeline here as the waiver is coming up close to expiring, right? And whether it was enough to kind of like get that application in or whether you needed to be consolidated before uh, before the, the 31st, um, what's the like, what's, is there official word on this? Like, when is it too late for someone to take action under the waiver, assuming that it doesn't get extended, which it very well might. So the way our Facebook group operates is that the deadline's the deadline. Okay. Um, we we do not uh, until it's in black and white. We we don't offer any any perspective on the matter. Okay. Um, but I'm but I'm really glad I can I can put that out there. Um, so let's say you've not certified any of your employment and you have FFEL loans and you've been in public service for at least five years or two years, whatever beforehand. Yeah. And you, and you've been making payments. Don't wait till the last minute, just get the ball rolling. And this is the, the suggested order. First, consolidate your loans into direct consolidated loan ASAP. As soon as you hear this web, uh, this podcast, Go into your federal student aid account and consolidate because if you can recover any of those eligible months of service because you made payments on your FFEL loans or your Perkins loans, right? You want those to count. So start the consolidation ASAP. Then get all while the consolidation is going. Okay. It's a process. You got to give it a little time to work. Um, Get all of your past employment certified. Go into your federal student aid account, fill out the PSLF help tool. There are links, you'll be able to see it. And then and then submit all of those after your consolidation is done. Now we're getting really close. Like I said, 69 days as of this airing, this taping. Okay, it's going to be less time by the time you actually hear this. Mm-hmm. It'll be... October 31st, you have to get all of your paperwork in by the 31st. You don't have to have everything completed. So consolidate. If you're, if you have all direct loans, great. You are halfway there. Just go and get all of your past employment certified that apply and overlap with the, with the life of those loans and get it all in before the 31st. Mm-hmm. We're also dealing with another transition in the middle of all this. I, I, I know it's frustrating for a lot of people. Um, as of this taping, Mohila, the Fed loan uh, transition to Mohila, the accounts moving to Mohila is about 50% complete. They anticipate all PSLF eligible accounts to be moved to Mohila by the end of September. So once you consolidate, you got to choose Mohila as your servicer. And then with give it, give it, th- you know, four weeks for, for everything to kind of start, you know, showing up over at Mohila. And then, you know, once you, uh, once you get your account set up at Mohila, you can upload your PSLF applications directly through your account. Like you could at, at, at FedLoan, which is awesome. Um, if you're nervous, like I am just with timelines and everything, do your consolidation, wait two weeks, then submit by by mail certified mail your P- pslf applications for all your past employment second do it by cer- certified mail 
give it at least two weeks after you complete that or after you confirm on your consolidation. It's, 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 it's nerve wracking um, yeah. for me because I've been doing this for f almost five years. So my mind is blown that this waiver exists. I'm very grateful for it. I am grateful that my, my undergrad loans were forgiven. However, you know, I feel like there's still a fix required and it's not just me. When I'm speaking on this stuff, I know it's never just about me. It's about the dozens and dozens of people I know who also have partial forgiveness right now. Mm -hmm. And then the many, many more who aren't even aware. Yeah. So uh, uh, I, I'm very nervous for the end of this waiver period. Um, many of my admins and moderators are very nervous because we can see if it, this ends on October 31st, like it's saying it's supposed to end, there are still going to be people left behind. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that, that, that breaks my heart. And so I'm, that's why I'm trying to take every opportunity to speak with folks like you and partner with Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to do the webinars. Very grateful for that. There are a lot of webinars popping up all over the place mm -hmm. um, about PSLF and the waiver. So I'm very grateful that there's this, it's not just me, it's a lot of people just trying to get this information out. The DOE has done, um, can do so much better on this communication front. Um, lots of room for improvement. Yeah. So uh, before we finish up today, uh, and I'm going to have you on again uh, next week to talk more broadly about PSLF and student loans and what uh, what people who uh, who who are maybe currently in school um, can you know and who 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 don't have a history where they can take advantage of the waiver, but do need to you know are planning to go into public service uh, and need to get all their kind of ducks in a row. Um, we'll deal with all of that next week. Uh, but for now, before we finish up, I was wondering if you could tell me just a, you know, a little bit more about the Facebook group, and we'll talk more about it again next week. Um, uh, there's a link to it in the show notes, but I, I want to know, you know your pitch on who it's for and what people should know about joining um, so they can get a head start on that before, uh, before next week's episode airs. So our, our Facebook group is for anybody in public service who has uh, eligible loans or even ineligible loans as of right now. Public service loan forgiveness is a federally backed benefits program. It's written in our, into our master promissory notes. And for folks who, who are in school right now, what, what they should do like you said, we'll, we'll get more into that. But what they should know before joining the group is there's just a few screening questions. Be honest. Agree to the group rules. Um, there are 10 of them. And, uh, and, and our group disclaimer uh, as well. And new members have 14 days to read through the wealth of resources we have created. Um, we have created guides to walk um, new members through P what is this PSLF, this thing. And then um, we have uh, many posts in our featured section with latest news, announcements. One of our main go-tos for, for the PSLF program in that section is called the PSLF Index. And within it, it's sectioned off by various you know, topics related to PSLF and links 
to more posts within our group and, and it'll help them navigate. Start from the beginning, you know, go through the guides, go through the uh, PSLF flowchart and, and read and read. While you're doing that, look at your student loan portfolio at studentaid.gov. Log in, download your text file. How many loans do you have? What kind of loans do you have? If you have anything other than direct loans in your portfolio, you will need to take action to fully benefit. But again, you know, it, 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 it just depends on where people are at in their PSLF journey on where to start. So hope Great. that helps. No, it helps a lot. And please, if you're listening to this, go go join the group. It really is. It's a wonderful, uh, supportive group, a, just a wealth of knowledge and experience in that group. Um, and I, I, I can't recommend it uh, strongly enough. So uh, you know, one more time, I just want to thank you for, uh, for joining me for this conversation today. It's truly been a joy to have you. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so thankful you're here. And I'm, th I'm thankful that we'll get to continue this conversation more broadly about PSLF uh, next week. So thanks for everything. Thank you for having me. And I just want to give a huge shout out to my administrators and moderators. Uh, without them, um, I wouldn't be here. Uh, as well as to all of our current members, we're almost 140,000. 140, and uh, within the group, and I owe it to my team as well as setting forth you know the expectations up front it's a very positive community and i super appreciate our members as well as my uh, moderators and admins team admin team just killing it week after week and we're all volunteers i uh, just want you to know we're all volunteers some of us have already gotten pslf or tepslf and the team stays on to help more people we have members who get PSLF or TEPSLF, -E and they stay on to help members, other members, because it's all, it all comes from that fundamental, right? We, we all are, are in it together. We want to reduce suffering. We want to increase success. We believe in the program, and we believe that, that everyone has a right as a public service worker with federal student loans. They should be eligible and be able to access this benefit. So thank you so much for having me. I look forward to next week's conversation. Great. We'll talk to you then. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, listeners, just wanted to give you a quick follow-up um, on the topic from this episode. Literally, the day after recording this, uh, President Biden's uh, administration announced some pretty big changes to student loans, uh, including a significant uh, loan forgiveness program, a new loan forgiveness program, uh, where he was canceling debt, $10,000 to $20,000, depending on a variety of factors. Um, also, some, some other kinds of uh, changes uh, announced related to student loans and student loan uh, payments. So I'm going to put those links in the show notes for you to go and check out. I don't think it really changed anything that uh, that we talked about uh, in the interview that you just listened to, uh, really, you know, as of as of right now, um, as of when this episode is going to air, 
there there haven't been any extensions to the temporary waiver um, or any other significant changes to uh, to the the public service loan forgiveness program. So um, so nothing to really correct or alter uh, except to say that you should definitely check out uh, the, the the you know some of the some of the announcements if you haven't already. Um, I'm sure you know it really was uh, was in the news cycle for uh, for for a bit. So that's it. I also just wanted to say thank you to uh, to you listeners. Uh, you know, I really do value each and every one of you, uh, and hope that this show helps in one way or another as you continue your own paths navigating higher education, or uh, in the case of student loan debt, the aftermath of that higher education. As I mentioned before, since I try to keep the show as listener driven as possible, please send me your thoughts and questions. Hit up the show notes on Twitter or shoot me an email at your leisure. And if you do uh, have a question, please send it to questions at yourshadowadvisor.com or head to the website to submit an audio question that I might air on the podcast. So that's it for today. Uh, please be sure to tune in next week for the second interview uh, with Christina. Uh, we're going to be talking more broadly about uh, the Public Service Loan Forgiveness uh, Facebook group that she uh, that she founded, uh, and about more broadly about the Public Service Loan Forgiveness program. So uh, so be sure that you don't miss that uh, next week. So that's it for today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling up to it, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Thanks again for listening in. I'll be back with more next week.